you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. A little blue birdie told us we're on Twitter now. Give us a follow at Fade Route DNZ. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with DNZ. Here are your hosts, DNZ. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fade Route. I am D, and with me as always is Z. We've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about Jacob DeGrom getting hurt again. Rob Manford decides to crack down on foreign substances. Big tough guy. <laughs> the NHL playoffs seem to have four evenly matched teams, so to speak. And we begin today's show with the NBA playoffs. Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard are the new members of the Hurt Can't Play NBA All-Stars in this year's NBA playoffs. But which team has an edge? Which team is in more trouble? The Clippers or the Suns? What do you think, Z? Welcome back to the East Coast. Thank you very much, sir. It's good to be back. And a little bit of breaking news for you guys. I am no longer a Colorado resident. I am back home in New York City. And I could not be happier. Start spreading the news. I'm here. Back today. today. Yes, sir. And as far as who's in more trouble, it's hard to say. Because if Chris Paul has has to miss a significant amount of time with these COVID restrictions since... He is in the COVID protocol uh, after testing positive, even though he is vaccinated. So this is one of those rare positives, uh, even though he is vaccinated. If he has to miss an extended period of time, that's definitely going to be a problem. But Kawhi Leonard with a knee, that is potentially devastating for the Los Angeles Clippers because playoff P... Lay off P. <laughs> Lay off me. He's done it once. Okay. I haven't seen enough. I've seen enough of the negative of Paul George to form an opinion about him. Right. We have DeAndre Ayton. We have Devin Booker on the other side. And, you know, they're young, they're unproven, but they're earning their stripes this year in the playoffs. We've seen enough negatives from Paul George that I already have an opinion formed about him. So without Kawhi Leonard, I think the Clippers are more dead in the water. They're only mostly dead, if I may quote Miracle Max. Uh, Chris Paul... Again, with this particular situation, we don't know how long he's going to be out. If he gets two back-to-back negative tests, he's back in. And, you know, the Suns are right as rain. So, for me, Kawhi Leonard, that injury looms much bigger for the Clippers. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I think if it was Chris Paul who had the knee injury and Kawhi Leonard was dealing with COVID – then we would also probably say that the Suns would be in more trouble because, you know, Chris Paul is such a valuable part to their team. The only thing I will say is, is, you know, Kawhi Leonard, if he's not able to come back, yeah, they're they not going to, the Clippers won't have Kawhi Leonard, but they still have a solid team. They're probably not a championship team, but they're still solid with, with playoff P. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie Jack Reggie Jackson, who's been playing outstanding the last couple of games. And not that uh, one. 
Not the one you're thinking about, boys and girls, the basketball player. Right, right. Uh, Marcus Morris, he, he, he's a solid player. Rajon Rondo's been struggling, but he's still uh, – he, he's, he, he's been there. He's a veteran. He gets it. Pat Bev is, is just all defense, all heart, all the time. Kennard can shoot. Uh, Zubox, I mean, Zbox or whatever his name is, he's – He's a he's a big dude. He makes bad he makes big mistakes, but he's still a solid player. They just they they'll probably be able to beat the Jazz in one of the next two games, but they're not going to be able to win a championship. Now with the Suns, I mean, like you said, it depends on how long Chris Paul is out for because we know what the Suns are without Chris Paul, right? They're not even a playoff team, which is kind of shocking considering Devin Booker is an all-world player. DeAndre Eaton is outstanding. Miles Bridges is a f- fantastic player. Like, they have talent, but for some reason, they need that elite veteran point guard to make them go. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say that the Clippers are in more trouble just because of the severity of the injury. It sounds like Chris Paul could be out a couple of games, but like you said, if he gets too negatives in a row he could play and I know they say this is rare but rare my ass because I know so (laughs) many people who have gotten this damn vaccine and have gotten COVID so I mean the (laughs) I mean the the poor Glaber Torres got COVID then he got the vaccine and he got COVID again well I mean that's just Glaber Torres bad luck and same thing with Chris Paul Chris Paul is not one uh who is exempt from season-crushing, playoff-crushing injuries. Houston Rocket fans can attest to that. But, um, you know, we're just going to go with what's going on as far as the medical goes. And the the fortunate thing for them is that they're resting right now. They're not playing. They don't have a series to play because they swept their competition. So, you know, this gives the Suns an advantage in that regard. Um, if the Clippers or the Jazz do advance, game one probably goes to that team just for the simple fact that, you know, rest versus rust. They haven't, the, the Suns just haven't played in a week. So that momentum, that building of momentum, coupled with a missing Chris Paul will definitely lose them game one. Now, over the course of a series, I'm still going to take the Suns over either one of these teams right now, even with Donovan Mitchell playing out of his mind, even without playoff P, you know, you know, going back in time to when he was an Indiana Pacer and putting a team on his back. So it's one of those things that, it's bad for the Suns, but they definitely caught it at the right time. Yeah, I mean, when when the news first broke about both players, you know, you texted me immediately and you're like, you know, what does this mean? I was like, man, it means the Nets are probably going to win the championship because there's nobody really to stop them. Uh, you know, as we as we see as their series is going on and and Kevin Durant seems like an unstoppable force and what is this is like the eighth all-star to get hurt. So you have the 76ers with Embiid who's playing on one leg. Uh, The Nets are playing without James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Now you have Kawhi down, CP3 down, you know, uh, the the Nuggets were out with, without Murray. Um, Anthony Davis went down for the Lakers. The Hawks are really the only team that's really healthy at this point. Agree. And the, the Hawks, even though they are healthy, they're not talented enough to make a run. So while it would be very tempting to say that they're hot and they're healthy, they're just not good enough. Yeah, they're young. They got some they have they have time to develop and, and they've shown that they're that they're gonna be there, but injuries definitely marring uh, this NBA season. Uh, another injury that came up in another league, Major League Baseball, um, Jacob DeGrom had to leave uh, last night's game uh, with right shoulder soreness. And after that was after pitching three innings. You're my Met fan. Cause for concern? 
Anytime you have a player that is the best at his position and he's repeatedly getting hurt, as fluky as it may seem, it is cause for concern. The Mets are optimistic that he will not miss any time. They're seeking a second opinion. But I'm of the mindset, give him a 10-day stint on the I.L., nail down what's going on, and then maybe you can proceed without having to lose significant amount of time. You've already lost Syndergaard. You've already lost Carrasco. You can't afford to lose DeGrom, too. So you have this issue with his shoulder. Before that, it was his flexor tendon. Before that, it was his right side. So that's speaking to either mechanical issues that's causing these things to flare up. He's overcompensating for something. He's trying to throw the ball too hard. I, I don't know. And it's a co- it may be a coincidence that the last two injuries have occurred after he's gotten a hit. So I can't say with any any modicum of certainty that oh, he's hitting, therefore he's getting injured. I'm not going to say that. But all I can say is you have to protect your asset and just look at the numbers. 6-2, ERA, 67 innings pitched, 111 strikeouts, half a whip. His ERA, his whip is 0.5. And he's driven in more runs at six than he's given up all year in four. You can't afford to lose this guy long-term, especially being down being down two starters already. David Peterson finally pitched a good game, so he's iffy. Stroman is your de facto ace right now. That scares the shit out of me as a Met fan. And you have a bunch of guys named Bob. It's just let him go on. Let him take a 10-day vacation, figure out what's going on, and take it from there. I mean, here's my thing. I watched this in live time. Okay. I watched it happen. He got hurt. And my immediate thought was, oh, man, this is not good. This is the second time or third time. I'm like, Jesus, guy's always hurt. But then as the game went on, I was like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This guy, right, had shoulder soreness after striking out eight of the first nine hitters. Right. I mean, what? What does he expect? I'm starting to think that this is the cause of doing business, right? He's having these injuries, and he's feeling the way he's feeling because of the way he's pitching. He's destroying every lineup that he goes against. Just like you said, he's got a .54 ERA. He's got half a whip. This is is the cost of doing business, man. Now, listen, the Mets are 10 games over five hundred. There are five games in the head of the Phillies. Now, I get it. He's, he's their best pitcher. He's probably the best pitcher in the league right now, right? But he also pitches every fourth or fifth day, okay? They don't even always win the games he starts. So, is he that important? Is he going to sink this ship? I don't think so. I think I really do think it's fine. Every week, like I said, he's slaying every lineup he goes up against, and every month he seems to be coming out of this with another ailment. I think it's fine. It's because of the way he's pitching. Maybe he needs to dial it back a bit. <laughs> maybe that's that's maybe that's all it is. Instead of hitting 101 on every fastball you throw, why don't you do it Verlander and drop it down to 95? And then jack it up to 97, 98, 99, 100 when you get into later innings. Maybe it's just a matter of that. Maybe he needs to change the way he's pitching. I mean, the dude is just unhittable right now. No, he's he's a definite monster. And if you look at if you look at his numbers in conjunction with his offensive numbers, he's an MVP candidate. And I disagree with the fact that, you know, maybe he needs to dial it back and that the Mets are, you know. Not that the Mets are better off without him, but he's not as valuable as you think because you need to take into account, and this is where war is a useful stat. It's not the be-all, end-all, and you can't adequately calculate since there are multiple ways to calculate it. But 
you put some guy from AAA in Jacob DeGrom's spot, Sean Reed Foley, perfect example, the guy who came in to replace him. He's not Jacob DeGrom. So, yeah, is he going to get you five innings? Maybe. Is he going to give up nine runs and get and get bounced in two and a third? Also, maybe. We don't know. The guys that are coming in to replace him just are not as good. And the Mets are 10 games up. Yes, they are 10 games over 500. I understand that. It's a little bit of fool's gold right now because they have not played the same number of games as everyone else. They're going into a series with the, with the Nationals. They got a doubleheader on Saturday. They have a doubleheader on Monday. They're going to have all of these games coming up fast, and they're going to lose their fair share of games. So I think as an abundance of caution, you know, yeah, take it on the chin now so you have your prized possession in September when it's important for the playoffs. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. Well, one thing that was good was after the game, he didn't blame it on spider tack and he didn't blame it on sunscreen. You know, he just basically got hurt. But MLB's cracking down on foreign substances. Rob Manfred's giving out vacations to anybody who uh, gets caught using a banned substance uh, as a pitcher. What do you say of our good friend Rob Manfred on his new foreign pol- foreign substance policy? Really, Rob? Ten games paid. Ten games paid. You couldn't have been lighter if you tried. <laughs> Now, Garrett Cole in in a press conference is, you know, doing the whole Jerry Maguire thing. Help me help you. Let's come to an agreement because we need we need it. We need to have something on our hands in order to, you know, maintain a grip on the baseball. And no, you don't. That's what the rosin bag is for. Okay. Uh, that is the legal element that you can use in order to enhance your grip. Everything else is circumventing the rules, and everything else is illegal. Plain and simple. Now, this is a limp dick chance, a, a limp dick punishment for it. If it's as bad as you're making it out to be, if you are equating it to steroids like some pundits are. 10 days paid, that's just not it. The first, how many games do you get if you pop positive for steroids? 80? Yeah, I think yeah. It's 60, 60 or 80, yeah. That sounds a little bit more like it. Hit them where it hurts. and if Or if you're just going to do 10 days, sorry, you don't get paid. Take, you know what? And if Tony Clark doesn't like it, he knows where to find me. Right? If Rob Manfred wants to have some coyunes, that's what he needs to do. But it's just not. It's just not going to have any teeth. I mean, 10 days with pay is a joke. I mean, listen, my job gives me 10 days paid every year, and they call it my vacation time. Uh, if I'm a player and I use a substance that is – this is not going to deter me from using the substance. Like it's not going to deter me from stopping to use it, especially if, if I'm using it to get a grip on the baseball and not using it to really give me an advantage, making it curve more, making it break harder on my pitches. I really just don't understand the logic here. Uh, we spoke about this in the production meeting. Astro players 
got no penalty for stealing signs. They stole a World Series. Not one player served any time for that. Got docked pay at all. Nope. But you're gonna you're gonna suspend pitchers with pay for ten games for because they're using this substance to help them grip the ball better. Now, I mean, one, the one thing I want to yeah, go ahead. That is that you also have an admitted cheater right now in Tyler Glass now, who is out with a UCL tear, a partial UCL tear. Granted, most guys pitch through that. RV did. Tanaka did. My to sister varying, did. Varying, to varying <laughs> degrees of success. But you have an admitted cheater on your hands. Granted, he's on the IL. If you're Rob Manfred, what do you do when he comes off the IL? He admitted he did it. He did it. Are you suspending him? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a really good question. But, I mean, we spoke about this too. It's like over under five players getting hurt from this new rule. We're already at one. We're already at one. And it's a pitcher. And I didn't expect a pitcher to get hurt. But I'm going to let that count towards my quota. Because I immediately told you over. Because I I think a lot more players are going to get hit. They're going to get hurt because of this. I didn't expect a pitcher to, it to happen to a pitcher. But, hey, I'll count it. Uh, I really wasn't expecting this. I, I, I don't know what to say. But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of players are admitted cheaters. And you're going to see that. I mean, I think they already did the stats and they've seen batting averages go up and runs going up ever since he just started talking about it. Yeah. In the past week, since they bandied this about, the major league batting average went from 232. Well, think of, let that sink in. You're only getting a hit 23% of the time. Fucking pathetic. The entire league, 23%. Since this crackdown was announced and teams have been quitting cold turkey, like, ironically, Alex Cora and the Red Sox, the mastermind behind the Astros cheating scandal and the Red Sox cheating scandal, he's been having them quit cold turkey. As a league, it's gone up to 247. Still mediocre, still terrible, but enough evidence to indicate that it was a serious enough problem. Um, you can argue that it's, it's not the right time to implement it. Maybe you wait until after the all-star break. Maybe it's a timing issue. I, I can, I can see that. I, I would concede that that would be fair, but yeah, I mean, as it turns out, when we were talking about this in our bullshit or no shit segment from a couple weeks ago, as it, it looks like it's going to improve offensive production. Yeah, and it, there's no doubt that all teams are, and all not all pitchers, but I think all teams are using it in some way or another. Uh, and you know the pitching coaches probably know about it, and they're probably telling them to do it. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened this week, well, not this week, but in the last couple of weeks, you know, we had Josh Donaldson come out and pretty much call out Gary Cole for using the spider attack and saying there are numerous pitchers that are using stuff to grip the ball that makes the ball move the way it's not supposed to move and makes the ball unhittable, which kind of created this whole investigation and kind of led to this, this stupid thing in play that Rob Manfred decided to do. But then on the other side, you have Pete Alonzo, excellent hitter for the Mets, coming out and saying, hey, let them use whatever they want. I'd rather them use it so they have control over whatever they're through doing, and I don't get hit in the face with the baseball. So whose side are you on here? Are you in Josh Donaldson's camp, or are you in Pete Alonso's camp? Pete Alonso says a lot of things. He also said that Major League Baseball manipulates the ball based on the free agent class. So you got to take some of what Pete Alonso says with a grain of salt. That being said, if we are really concerned about the health and well-being and player safety, you need to come up with some level of compromise. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But if you can come up with something that is legal, like, hello, the rosin. <laughs> Which is on the backside of the mound. Exactly. It's for everybody to use. It's like, dude, it's there for you. 
So maybe that's what you need to do. Rosin and only rosin. You can't wear sunscreen, pied and tar. Maybe these eight, um, these eight random checks are going to work out, but I'm with Pete Alonzo to some degree. Josh Donaldson just sounds petty all the time. And, you know, I can't really get with him because his launch angle theory has single-handedly ruined baseball. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with Pete Alonzo too, but I agree with you. I'm with it to a certain degree. Like, like don't abuse it. Um, I think it's fine to use it to actually grip the ball better. Uh, I'm okay with that. But if you're using it because you're trying to make the ball do funny or silly things and not, you know, just deceiving the hitters, then I have a problem with that. If what you're doing is subtle enough where no one can really notice it, I, I'm really – I'm fine with it. I, I was listening to the Michael K show a couple of days ago, and they had Al Leiter on, and they asked Al Leiter, you know, did you ever use anything? And he was honest. He said, I did. He's like, I didn't do it every game. I didn't do it every inning. But at some point, I felt like I, I needed a better grip, and he had a conjunct, um, some concoction that, that he had put together that he was using. He didn't give away other players, but he said a lot of other players were using different things. And, you know, he's like, I didn't want to have to go to the back of the, the, the mound after every pitch and grab the rosin bag. He's like, the game would have lasted four hours. And, he, and I was like, when you, with you, Al, pitching, it always lasted four hours. <laughs> cutter, 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 backdoor cutter. Home cutter, run. Cutter, home run. <laughs> so that's the problem is some of these things have been being have been in play for a long time. And now you're asking players to do without it. Now, this glass now thing is just ridiculous. It's like, dude, if you're relying on this stuff to make your pitches move or to overcome, and now you have to overcompensate because you're overcompensating, you're getting hurt within, you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> you got to be able to pitch without this stuff. And this stuff should be able to just help you grip the ball if it's just a hot day or if it's raining or if, if you're just, you got to, maybe you've got a blister or you're having a cramp in your finger, like there are reasons why I think it's okay. However, if you're abusing it to, you know, get more out of it, then, then you need to be taken out. I agree. And I'm not going to do what Josh Donaldson did. And when he basically called out Garrett Cole, but Tyler Glasnow was a mediocre pitcher when he was with Pittsburgh. Now, all of a sudden, he's lights out in Tampa Bay. A lot of that has to do, maybe do, has to do with the fact that Kyle Snyder is a pitching whisperer, or maybe he just got better shit. So, yeah. it, it's, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Maybe, you know, a little from column A, a little from column B. But, you know, as you're progressing, you know, summer, it gets hot. You're sweating. It's going to, there's going to be you know, little beads of sweat on the ball. It's going to get slicker. You're going to need something. I get that. So Major League Baseball needs to come to some sort of agreement with the players to either, you know, come up with something that they produce, which was another theory, another uh, positive argument. Just come up with something. Just put something out there that you endorse that they can use. Yeah, fine. I mean, I, I suppose that's okay. If it's bullfrog and water in like a spray bottle or something or like a rag, well, yeah. whatever. But Get everybody on the same page. Bingo. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like you let these hitters put all this pine tar on the bat and the gloves they wear and the sticky shit they put on the bat. Like, I mean, you got to give the pitcher something. You got to give them something. And now you're talking about moving the mound and all this other you you got to throw them a bone here. And maybe it becomes some of the things, like you said, okay, bullfrog and water is okay. Spider tack is not okay. Or maybe it's, you know, suntan lotion is okay. But you got you to gotta come to some medium. And then get rid of the rosin bag. Screw you. Then you get the <laughs> rosin bags out then. It's stupid that it's even back there, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is figure it out, man. Figure it out. Throw the fucking fastball in the outside corner. Become a location pitcher. Is that so bad? 
Tom no. Glavin and Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox lived on the black their whole freaking careers. Try it out. And think about it. If you could be, if you could have that pinpoint level of control with Tyler Glass now stuff, you'd be unhittable. You'd be unhittable anyway. Maybe you're just not a big league pitcher. Maybe you need to go back down to the minors and toss that shit down there. How about that becoming part of a reality? Well, sorry. It worked, it worked for Roy Halladay. I mean, sorry. I mean, is that is that such a bad thing? That just might be it. Maybe some of the guys that are up here shouldn't be up here. If you got to rely on that stuff to get you by, I, I, I the big leagues aren't for you, bro. Especially with the relievers now. They're just taught rare back and throw as hard as you fucking can. It's not, you know, aim for the glove. It's just max out. And if it hits the glove, great. So, I, I yeah, there's got to be something because somebody is going to get Pollard. Somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the other danger. That's the other thing. Because if I'm a guy who, you know, I've been using this stuff the whole time and I've got my contract and I need this stuff to get people out. And now you're going to take it away from me. Well, I'm going to keep trying to do what I'm doing. And if someone gets hurt because of that, I what am I going to do? You know, moving on, uh, back to the NBA playoffs. The Bucks are taking on the Nets in Milwaukee tonight. Harden is available. Kyrie's out. How can the Bucks take the Nets to game seven? They're actually winning right now at going into halftime. Harden's at the line right now, and nope, missed. So he has 13 points right now, and if you are Coach Budenholzer, you gotta take it to the rack. You cannot get into the game of trying to shoot threes with the Nets. Your team's just not good enough from the three-point line to make it happen. You have a dynamic player in Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's a beast. Give him the rock and just drive to the basket. This is why you got Drew Holiday, to drive to the basket and facilitate. Don't, yeah. don't deviate from that plan. Stick to what got you here. And changing it up willy-nilly to try and match up with the Nets shows me that you guys are dead in the water. Yeah, so I got three ways for them to move this game to game seven, all right? Now, it's halftime. I understand it's halftime of game six, but hear me out. Hear me out. At halftime, fire the entire coaching staff for the, <laughs> for the Milwaukee Bucks. Get the local high school coach to come in and coach the team for game six and game seven. Because, honestly, they're three for 14 from three point. Why are they shooting threes? Like, why? Like, their whole game plan from game one has just been a disaster. Now, if you're telling me that the coaching staff is telling them one thing and the players are doing another, then I get it. But if this was the game plan against the, the Nets as constructed with Kyrie and Harden and Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin and all these other players, then you guys need to go right now at halftime. Okay? The second part for them to, to get to game seven is – Double team Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant as soon as he catches the ball. Let everyone else on the team beat you. Let Harden get 70. Let Joe Harris have 40. Let Jeff Green have 30. Live with it. Live with what everybody else is going to do. You cannot let this man play 48 minutes and draw 50 points on your head. Like That's just, that's just unbelievable. The adjustments are not there. It's like he... He gave up once they got to this round of the playoffs. It really seems that way. He's if he's not out after this after this series, I don't know what the Bucks are going to do. And the last thing they need to do is slow the game down. Slow down the tempo. Play bully ball with them. Give it to Lopez, give it to Giannis. Go to the foul line. I know they can't even shoot from the foul line. They're shooting 60% <laughs> from the foul line. But you got to slow the game down. The two times the Bucks have won is when they kept the Nets under 100. You're going to keep the Nets under 100 by limiting their possessions and ensuring that when you do take shots, you score. And how do you do that? They don't have an inside presence. 
The Nets don't have an inside presence. DeAndre Jordan's not even playing. Blake Griffin is soft. Just go to the basket. Leave Chris Middleton at the three-point line. If they if they collapse, then kick it out to him. Drew Holiday, go for the basket for God's sake, and out rebound these guys. How 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 are you only five five rebound differential? Awful. You should get everything that comes off that rim. There's nobody there to get these rebounds. Maybe the Nets aren't the only team that's soft. If we think maybe, about it, maybe I don't know. At some point, you'd need to question it because Middleton's been there. Giannis has been there. Coach Budenholzer's been there. Maybe it's a David Quinn situation. Maybe the voice is just too soft and they need a guy like a Stan Van Gundy. I'm not saying Stan Van Gundy, but a guy who's going to be in your face and he's going to preach defense like Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau on this team would be dangerous. Dangerous. He preaches defense. You need to preach defense. It's not just one side of the ball. And like you said, when they played defense and they played stoutly, they won. Plain and simple. The Nets are not undefeated. The Nets can be stopped. You prove that you can do it. Just stick to the fucking game plan. Or change the game plan. Like the, the whole thing is, is what is your game plan? Because the game plan you're using is not working. You don't, you can't, you don't try to outscore these motherfuckers. Like you get, you crazy. Like they, they get, they, this guy's hitting shots from half court. Like you, you can't block him when he gets to the top of his shot. He's higher than a stop sign. Like nobody's blocking that man. And Giannis needs to step up and go defend Kevin Durant. Go say, that's my guy. I'm staying with him wherever he goes. And then somebody come help me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you got to do. That's just, that's what you got to do. And, and you're, cause he's, he's losing respect. I think from other players in the league and from other teams in the league, this is supposed to be your team. You're coming out on the press conferences talking about how great Kevin Durant is. Well, how about how great you are and how great your team is? And we're going to figure out a way to stop him. It's not talking about how great he is. He did the same thing with LeBron. Talking about how great LeBron is. Dude, grow a backbone. I'm not saying you got to talk shit about the guy. But let's let's say, hey, you know what? He had his way with us tonight. But next next week or tomorrow or in three days, you know, we're going to come up with something better. We're going to throw something else at him. We're going to try to trick him. We're going to try to confuse him. Like, give me that, Giannis. Give me some kind of competitiveness, you know? Give me the competitiveness of the NHL playoffs because those have been phenomenal so far. Both both NHL semifinal teams are tied 1-1. Who are you liking? How's it looking for you? As of right now, I'm liking what I see in Tampa Bay, the Islanders. I'm, I love what I see in that series. You have two evenly matched teams. Yeah, the skill of Tampa Bay is off the charts. But the defensive scheme and the snarl of the Islanders is off the charts. And that makes for a very good matchup. The old irresistible force versus the immovable object. Ever since the Islanders made the move from Sorokin to Simeon Varlamov, they have taken off. And I like what I've seen from them Game two aside, I mean, right now they're trailing one zip. They're on the power play right now, about 357 left in the second period. These games are not what we expected based on the skill level of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's a credit to Varlamov and that's a credit to Andre Vasilevsky. As far as the Canadians and the Golden Knights, it's surprising it's definitely surprising that the Montreal Canadiens were able to, to steal a game from the Golden Knights. Um, they're definitely outgunned. I mean, you have Petrangelo, Theodore, Pacioretty, Mark Stone, uh, Riley Smith. Like, I can go on. I'm not gonna because we only have the time show, boys and girls. But 
that's all on one side. And then you have on the other side, Cole Caulfield, who's playing great for a rookie. He's got the speed. He's got the jump. And Islanders, Islander just scored to tie the game 1-1. Nice. But um, back to Vegas and Montreal. Caulfield has definitely been the jump in the spark for this team, as well as Carey Price. They've been getting veteran attribu- attributions from Toffoli and from Perry. Shea Weber's playing great. So, gun to my head, I'm saying Islanders and Golden Knights. Those are going to be my picks. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I, Montreal looks overmatched. Uh <laughs> They're not really ready for American hockey, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> uh, Flurry's playing great, and you know they, they, their their team is just constructed very well, and it's been that way for the last since their existence. Obviously, uh, you know, obviously, uh, the Islanders and the Lightning, man. I really coming into this game, coming into this series, I I was really high on the Lightning. I just they're you know defending champs. Uh, they're super talented, but uh, and they've they've been they've been just killing their competition. I really felt like, you know, Tampa really took it to Florida, uh, and the Islanders really took it to the Penguins, and then they took it to Boston, which I was surprised because I really thought Boston was going to take them out. Uh, and usually, you know me. I always say to be the man, you gotta beat the man. But Woo! in this situation, but it's but in this situation, I am tipping my cap to the New York Islanders. I think they're gonna take this series in six games. Uh, and it's like you said, it's like the Tampa's super talented, but it's just the way the Islanders are built, and it's that Barry Trotz hockey that they play. They got the better coach, I think, and they they went down to Tampa and they took game one. And like you said, it's it's tied right now in the second period. They're fighters. And, um, yeah, I'm going with the Islanders. I'm glad you came around. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. I've been trying to convince you, as you know. And it's not a homer thing because I'm a Ranger fan. And it, it pains me that the Islanders are where the Rangers are. And uh, hopefully we will be, we'll be talking about the new Ranger coaching hire. Hopefully, he is as good with the system as Barry Trotz is with his system. Because we've seen him succeed in Nashville. We've seen him succeed with Washington. And now we've seen him succeed with the New York Islanders. And this is an aggressive team. They're a hungry team. They play as a team. And they definitely get you out of your comfort zone which is something that can easily propel you into the Stanley Cup Finals and possibly hoisting Lord Stanley Cup. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Pop Stars, located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Pop Stars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Pop Stars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Pop Stars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. More or less. All right, boys and girls, you know the drill. If we think it'll be more likely, we're going to say more likely. If we think the statement is going to be less likely that it'll happen, we're going to say less likely. It's a pretty simple build. More or less, number one. 
Cody Bellinger will play 50 more games this season. Man, this guy is killing my fantasy team. He's only played 16 games all year. Definitely less likely. Even with 100 games to go, there's no way this guy is just going to come back and start playing. First, he had a hairline fracture in his leg. Now he's got hamstring issues. Dude, you're playing baseball, not football. Why are you constantly getting hurt? So, this, you know, out of a possible 70 games this year, he's only played 16. I'm going less likely. I'm going less likely as well. And it was a little bit of a typo in our production meeting when I formatted the show. I think I kind of... Uh, I think I kind of spoiled my answer. I don't know if he's going to play 50 games this year because you have the hairline fracture and you have the hamstring injury and hamstrings are tricky. We've seen that time and time again. It can flare up. You you can feel hundred percent. It can get tight on you. You can pull it again. You can overcompensate and hurt the other leg. This is, this complicates matters further. And he seems like the kind of guy that gets hurt wiping his ass in the bathroom. Well, you know, the, the glute strain. I mean, I can see that. But so, back, but back. <laughs> how did you hurt your flexor tendon? Well, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but just look at the numbers. When he's in there, he's not that great either. 62 at bats, only 14 hits. It's 226, one homer, 10 ribbies, a 324 on base percentage. That's respectable. 323 slugging. Like, it's just not cutting the mustard this year. How much of that is because he's overcompensating for being hurt? Like, I, I don't know that. I'm not in Cody Bellinger's body. But even last year during the World Series, he was hurt. But I, I think at this point, you need to start questioning whether or not Cody Bellinger is just going to be that kind of player. Because right now, you're, you're telling me that the, Dodger, the Dodgers wouldn't be better off without Jock Peterson? I think they would want that one back. Yeah. More or less, number two, Vladimir Guerrero will win the American League Triple Crown. Oh, man. You know I'm on this guy's bandwagon. I said he was going to lead the league in home run at the start of the year. You know this. Uh, But I'm actually going to go less likely. Uh, Even with Mike Trout out, he still has some serious contenders in each category. Michael Brantley, who is on my fantasy team, is currently edging him out in batting average, and he's having a monster year. Shohei Otani is three behind him in home runs, but I would assume Otani's going to tail off, especially if they keep asking him to pitch as much as he's pitching. Devers, another member of my fantasy team, is <laughs> tied with Vlad G in RBIs. Uh, with 55, and Jose Abreu is hot in his trail, another member of my fantasy team, with 51. So I think it's going to be tough. He's going to have to stay healthy. Uh, he's definitely going to get opportunities, uh, but it, it's really tough. It's really tough to do that. All I know is that you better have a winning record with this fantasy team. I just <laughs> I just got a winning record. I just got there. I just got there. <laughs> nice. Two games over 500. I'm going less likely, too, because it's such a difficult feat to achieve. The last person to do was Miguel Cabrera. So it's one of those things that happens very rarely. But if anybody could do it, it probably could be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Just from his output, 343 average, 22 homers, 56 ribbies, all respectable numbers. And in that lineup, you're going to get opportunity because in a deep lineup, they're not going to want to pitch to the guy behind you. They're not going to want, you're going to get fastballs to hit. And Vladimir Guerrero, he can hunt the fastball. Like his dad. Like his dad. Well, his dad could hit anything. And (laughs) Vladdy's just, Vladdy Jr. has proven he can do that too. I haven't seen him try the old cricket one yet. But uh, we'll see if that happens in the future. But Vlad Guerrero is a pure hitter. And he definitely is going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. And who knows? The batting average, I think, may tail off. Homers, 
you're on to something as far as possibly leading the league. I still, you know, it's not going to be Alonzo. I thought it was going to be Alonzo at the beginning of the year. We talked about this. Probably not going to be him. If anybody, it, it's probably going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. That uh, Acuna Jr. is going to challenge him for the major league lead in homers. Yeah. But, so Agreed. if and if that'll give him a shot in the American League. I don't see anybody challenging him for the home run crown. But as far as the batting, uh, the batting title, I can see him tailing off with that. Ribbies, ribbies are a function of base runners and opportunity. And he's got guys. He's got guys on his team that get on base. Yeah, and they get on. So they get on base. They're there, and he's he's a walking RBI. Whenever he's in the box, he's in scoring position. And they're constantly they're they're constantly playing from behind, which is odd because I really thought they were going to be much more formidable in their division. Yeah. Um, we both called the Yankees not having that great of a year. So that's, that's, that's showing itself, but I did think they were going to do uh, better. They just have a, they have a lot of talent. They do have a lot of talent and one or two more pitching acquisitions. And I think they'll right, be right back in the hunt for the American ladies title. Do you think uh, not being able to actually play any home games has hurt them? I don't know. I, I can't say. I mean, they're playing in Buffalo. They're playing in front of a home crowd. So, the, I mean, it's not like they're playing in a bubble. So, you know, I, I Yeah, you obviously haven't been to Buffalo. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think it'll be that much of a home field advantage to go back to the Rogers Center. If anything, it'll hurt their pitchers more because they're homer prone now. You put them in the Rogers Center, they're going to be even worse. So, I think they're actually helped a little bit from the fact that they're not in, they're not playing at home right now. But you know, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, Trudeau gets his act together and comes up with an agreement with Major League Baseball the same way he did with the NHL, and we can actually get some games in the Rogers Center this year. I'd go. Who's with me? Okay, it's not. More or less, number three. Gerard Gallant will get the Rangers into the playoffs next season. And I say it is more likely that it's going to happen, mostly because he's a better fit for this style of team. It's a young team. They do have plenty of young players. You have Fox and Lafreniere and Philip Heedle. And, you know, Brett Howden, all these guys are young and they're relatively inexperienced. But then you have the veterans like Kreider and Zabanajad and Brendan Smith and, you know, Artemi Panarin. You can't treat those players the same as you would a rookie or a second year player who's scared he's going to get sent back to Hartford. And I think Gerard Gallant understands that from his time, not only with the Vegas Golden Knights, but also with his time in Florida coaching the Panthers. Uh, there was an article in the New York Post where uh, Yarmir Yager was interviewed, and he said pretty much that very thing, that he understands that in order to, in order to get veteran buy-in, you kind of need to communicate with them. It, that's definitely an implication that David Quinn wasn't doing that. So I think that just implementing more of a snarl and a more of an aggressive mindset, if that means bringing in a grinder type like Maddie Martin or hello, how about getting Brendan Lemieux back? You traded him to the Los Angeles Kings and it all went down the toilet after that. Just having a skilled enforcer would do all the wonders in the world for them. And I think that would propel them into the playoffs because they weren't that far off. They were a healthy Shesterk in a way and a meltdown at the end of the season. I think Gallant will definitely avoid that pitfall. Yeah, so that's kind of why I said less likely. And, and the reason is, is I think it's going to take more than him. I think he's the start, and he's 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 probably the most important piece 
But it's like you said, they need their enforcer. They need to get bigger. They need to get tougher. You know, they, they need to go out in free agency. They need to make some changes. And it's just going to take more than his coaching to get them to the playoffs. Uh, so that's the only reason why I'm just saying less likely because it's it's not all about him. There's there's there, This team needs an attitude adjustment. Well, it's been gutted from the inside out from the front office. So it's definitely begun. We'll see if the players react accordingly. And bonus, more or less, number four, Calvin Ridley will seamlessly replace Julio Jones. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go more likely on this. He had 90 receptions and 1,300 yards last season. I think he's going to have an A-B-like season. When I say an A-B-like season, I don't mean like, you know, assaulting people. I I mean that... (laughs) He's going to have a year like AB's first year without Mike Wallace. I don't know if you remember that, but he had like 129 receptions and 1,600 yards. Like he went nuts. And then he kind of continued on this 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 uh, record, this this career where he was averaging, you know, over a thousand yards and around 10 touchdowns for like the next five seasons. So I see that for Calvin Ridley. I'm going to go less likely just from the simple fact that he was able to be a bookend for Julio Jones and who is going to be the bookend for him in order for him to ascend. Is that Russell Gage? Is that Kyle Pitts? I don't know. Ridley's definitely the goods, right? You have 26 career touchdowns. 3,000 career yards, 217 career receptions. He's the goods. It's about the other guys around him that will make him better. And I'm not sure that they're good enough. I mean, granted, last year in 15 games, he did score nine touchdowns. So... It remains to be seen because Julio played in what six games last year. Got to go and look at the stats. You have to go take a deeper dive into how many of those touchdowns were scored in games where Julio played versus games where he didn't play. Got to go look at that a little bit more. But if they believe in him, he's going to get all the opportunities to be the next Julio Jones. And he's certainly talented enough to take the mantle. We just need to see him take the next step. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out, and let's get cooking. Order up! All right, boys and girls. There's been a lot of movement in the NBA coaching carousel. That's why we are going to order up, order up, order up the best available NBA coaching jobs from five to one. Who you got, D? I think my list is going to really surprise you, but I'm going to start out at number five with Portland. And, you know, they have Dame Lillard, they have McCollum, they have Carmelo, they have Nurkic, but they're in the West. For some reason, like we talked about last show, they just can't win games. And I don't know if a coach is really going to, is really going to change that. Uh, number four is the Pelicans. You know, Zion is there, but management seems to be a bit impatient with their coaches. They, they've just fired Stan after one in one year. Alvin Gentry had five years, but he only got one year with Zion. So uh, I'd proceed into that situation with, with caution. Uh, my number three is the Washington Wizards, and mainly it's because Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, and they have playoff talent. Like, 
They can make the playoffs. They're probably one or two players away from contending. And I think the shortened season kind of hurt them this year. I think next year with a long season and hopefully better health, they'll, they'll compete a little better. Uh, my number two is the new opening, the, 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 the Dallas Mavericks. Rick Carlisle deciding to step down there. Uh, I think it has to do with Don, Don Nelson uh, getting released or leaving after 24 years. Doncic doesn't seem to be happy with that, that uh, move either. But you have Doncic. Um, they really just need one more guy. Uh, you see what the Hawks are doing. You should be the Atlanta Hawks right now. And they're not, and that's a problem. And they played. They, I thought they played well. It may have to do with the fact that they're in the West, uh, but and Doncic has a lot more time to develop, and he's got he's going to be a Maverick for life, it seems. But um, that would be the second most appealing to me. And the number one job, in my opinion, is the Orlando Magic job. And this really? is because they have a top three pick, right? There's low expectations. You could totally suck this year, and you're still going to keep your job. You're in a small market. They have a talented point guard in Cole Anthony. So, yeah, I, that's the job I want. I'm in Orlando, Florida. I'm the little brother to, for the Miami Heat. I have a top three pick, possibly the number one pick. And uh, there's no expectations here. So all I could do is go up. I can't really do much worse than what's been going on. <laughs> that is a fine list, and I was not expecting number one at all. Uh, in terms of best available, if I'm a coach, I want to go into a situation where I have a shot at winning quickly. That's just me because they'll look more kindly and more favorably on me if I do that than if I'm part of a rebuilding project and it still doesn't get rebuilt in a quickly, a quick enough fashion. Look at Lloyd Pierce in Atlanta. Look at him. Look at him. Look at what he did. Look what you did, Lloyd. And it took me name's Christmas, Lloyd Christmas. Um, well, he was fired by Christmas, and Nate McMillan was back in, turned the ship around, and made the Hawks a playoff team. But Lloyd Pierce was the guy that ownership had backed for the for the rebuild. So, you know, it's one of those things that rebuilds can be tricky. So that's why the Orlando Magic aren't on my list. Sorry, guys. Love you. Not that much. Uh, number five for me is the Washington Wizards. Just because of the drama with Beal and Westbrook. Very talented, but combustible. You never know what's going to happen. It, does Beal want to get traded? Does Westbrook want to get traded? Like, I'm sure Scott Brooks was pulling his hair out by the time like, he ultimately... Uh, didn't get his contract renewed. So, via con Dios to whoever goes into that one. Number four, I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers. Again, drama. Talented, talented players. But drama, drama, drama. Does Lillard want to be there? Who does Lillard want to coach the team? Oh, he wants Jason Kidd? Too bad. Jason Kidd doesn't want to be there. So does now Dame Lillard not want to be there because Jason Kidd doesn't want to be there. It's just high school bullshit. I don't want to deal with that. Just, you know, if you can get everybody on the same page and bring Nurkic along for the ride, that's a very good team. Number three, I like the Indiana Pacers. I think Lavert, Sabonis, they've got some players there. And they made the playoffs. I mean, they, they made the play-in tournament. So, they definitely... He won the chance to move. He won the chance to lose some more. All you, right. won, you won the chance to possibly get in, but ultimately you lost. That's okay. You put a beating on the uh, the NBA Rookie of the Year, though. Like you put a, you put 140 on the, on the uh, Hornets in LaMelo Ball. So, good for you. Uh, Nate Bjorkman was not the right fit. Maybe you find a, a more players type coach and you're able to do better things with them, but the cupboard is not bare. Number two, I like the Dallas Mavericks, same spot as you, mostly because I'm not sure what else Luka Doncic has around him. You have Tim Hardaway Jr., you have Christoph Porzingis, you have the, the shell of the Knicks of four years ago. They weren't even good when they were on the Knicks. 
So, and, and to, to go back to what you were talking about before about the, the Atlanta Hawks, right, and the Mavericks, would the Mavericks be better if they didn't make the Doncic for Trey Young trade? I don't know. Like, that may be something we need to explore later down the line. But if Luca says he's okay with this, then, you know, you got to build around him. He's a generational talent, and you got to ultimately get him where you want to go. And number one, the New Orleans Pelicans. Young, hungry, Zion Williamson. Not great expectations, but they were further along. They need to improve on defense. Stan Van Gundy appeared to unlock something with Zion Williamson, who's playing point forward. Maybe the next coach builds on that. Maybe it's Chauncey Billups or Becky Hammond. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but the cupboard isn't bare there, and there's a lot of good young talent on that team. Now, I find it very interesting before we wrap up this little segment. Neither one of us put the Celtics in as a top five job. That's, That's very interesting, don't you that think? It is very interesting. Yeah. Huh. It's a little bit of an indictment. It's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure to go there. And yeah. I just don't like the dynamic of their team right now. Like, they got a problem. Like, they got a lot of problems they need to solve. It just it's not appealing to me. Like I don't want to go deal that. I don't I don't want to go and deal with that. Like I think it, the reason why we have two different lists and we don't have the Celtics is we're all trying to do different things. Like I want a place where I can go with no pressure, develop a team and then win. And you're kind of in the mood where you want to go and win but you don't want there to be as much pressure. And that's definitely not the Boston market. That's definitely not Boston, man. That's not Boston. <laughs> that's not Boston. All right. So where would you rank them? Are the Celtics on your list? Hit us up. Fade Route Podcast on IG. Fade Route Mail at gmail.com. Or DM us Fade Route DNZ on Twitter and let us know your list. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You usually can catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, or other premium places where you listen to podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.